I think um, they don't avoid looking for the right culture, but I think your whole list of things, that's what they're looking for first. Um, but what we're trying to say is like, maybe you need to put this on your priority list, right? So before I apply for this job, maybe what I should do is I should go out and you know Google up this, 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 this company and take a look at the people. Um, you know, where right now we're recording live to LinkedIn, uh, you know, go and look at who the people are on LinkedIn. Uh, All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to How to Get a Job podcast. Uh, today, we're gonna be talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is culture how to look for a company that has a good culture, a vibrant culture, how to, as someone that's looking for a job, right, really identify, is this going to be a toxic work environment? Or is this a company that I can build a career, right? Not a job, but a career. And to talk about this important topic, I couldn't think of a better guess than Nicole Greer, who is the CEO, principal coach of Build a Vibrant Culture. Nicole, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Daniel. I'm grateful to be here. And thanks. You, you're already doing something that we do in a vibrant culture, which is you are leading me through a learning curve, which is one of the things that you can identify if you are joining a company that has a vibrant culture is if the leader will teach you something and not be irritated and be patient as you go through the learning curve. So you're already there. I love it. I love it. So uh, selfishly, I'm going to use this time to talk to you about kind of what we're trying to do at Omni as a culture, because I also kind of, I want to try, I'm trying to build a company with a great culture, right? And um, I actually want to start uh, with this story. And this is a real life story. I actually posted it on my LinkedIn today. So about seven months ago, I had one of my favorite employees. Uh, she was running marketing for Omni, right? And she goes, hey, Daniel, as you know, I always wanted to go into the fashion and beauty industry. And, um, and we've, you know, we've always, I always knew that. So I always knew that there was a chance that I was going to lose her. Like in, in my heart, I was like, if I just build a good enough company, a good enough culture that she would stay. Right. And she found a job running uh, marketing or the social media of, of a beauty brand. And it was her dream company. It was a brand she likes that she uses. Right. And I couldn't be mad. I was sad, obviously. Like I was losing somebody that I really admire, somebody that had already been working with me for over a year and a half. And when, like, for us, like we've we've only had employees for three years. So like somebody who's been here for a year and a half is a long time uh, for me, right? And long story short, she leaves. So anyways, we uh, I t uh, and and so I keep checking up on her. And you know, it's funny because I know that she also loves photography. And so I was having a company retreat. And I wanted to bring a photographer to to capture the company retreat. And so I reached out to her and I said, hey, um, and I won't mention her name. She's listening. You know, she obviously knows that I'm talking about her. But um, and I said, hey, how are you? How are you enjoying your job? Like, I, you know, I've been following the brand. You've been doing an amazing job. Like, because like, I followed the brand that she started working just to keep an, a, a tabs on her. And she was doing great. Right. You know. And she's like, you know, honestly, I miss working with the company. I miss working with the team. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of miserable here. Don't have the best relationship with my boss. And, um, and then I knew there was an opening company. So I just kind of like, long story short, she, she, she literally, after, you know, I had that opening the next day she started, I never posted a job on LinkedIn and never posted a job on, on Monster. Indeed, I, that 
there was no interview, right? It's literally go do your health exams, right? Like go do like your onboarding, like, you know, like the traditional. And now she started, she's been with us for a month, like for, actually she started last week. We've been having this conversation for a month because I, I, that spot wasn't completely open. I just opened it kind of for her. And, and it goes to show like, we were not the industry she wanted, but then she realized how important culture was. And the whole time, like, I can't believe I took the culture for granted. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, how common is that that people leave a job? Like, how common is it that people are, like, take culture for granted? Um, I would say you take it for granted if you have it. And you don't take it for granted if you don't have it. So... I think it's a very individualized experience. So for example, this young lady, she loves working with Daniel. She loves working with you, but she had a little dream in her heart. And we can't, and what I love is that you kind of knew, you know, uh, dreams in people's hearts are very important, but you never gave up on the relationship. So that's very, very important for everybody to hear is that, you know, he knew at some point she was going to leave, but he kept checking up on her. And it was all about relationship, right? And then don't miss what he said in his story. I wrote down some notes while you were talking. You said, uh, I knew that she loved photography. So I pulled her back into my culture with something that she loves. Now, don't miss that the word, you know, like I loved working with her. She loved working with you. There's a lot of love in this story. Uh, And then she began to miss the love. And so... You know, when you don't feel the love, you don't miss it. You need to get out of there. And when there's no love, it's equal sign toxic culture. So uh, I would say I couldn't put a number on it. I couldn't put some kind of data point on it without doing research. But I will say um, you realize when uh, you don't have it quicker than you realize you're lucky and blessed to have it. You know, it's super interesting because I, I, I think there's a couple of things that went right. And the reason I share this story is actually not to be like, oh, we're so cool or awesome. Like, um, it's actually more about the fact that she left in good terms, right? Like if she never left in good terms, if she was just like, hey, Daniel, I quit, no two weeks notice. Like if there wasn't this uh, like, uh, open co- conversation of like understanding what her long-term and short-term goals are and balancing that, like she could have left in really bad terms and then this would have never happened. And so like, I'm actually giving credit to her more than I'm giving credit to myself because she, she let, she was honest about what her goals were. And we were honest that we couldn't fulfill that. And, um, because we don't have a beauty brand. Like, and I'm not planning to start a, a makeup company. Like I, I, I probably not good for me to do. Right. So it, I think it's just it, that. So I think that's really, really important. But I, I, I think also too, like, as people start, and this is kind of where I wanted to kind of like pivot the conversation to, when people are looking for a job, I think looking for a company with good culture is one of the last things on their list. They're probably looking for location. They're probably looking for industry. They're, they're probably looking for compensation. They're looking for the job title that they're going to have. Like I, 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 you know, for me, like I would actually would rather, I mean, and this is easy coming now, this is easy when you're financially secure. I would, I would take a pay cut and a demotion for being part of a company where I have good culture and growth potential and I can actually build a career on. But what are your thoughts on on that when people are looking for the job and maybe avoid looking at culture? 
Yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think um, they don't avoid looking for the right culture, but I think they're, they're, your whole list of things, that's what they're looking for first. Um, but what we're trying to say is like, maybe you need to put this on your priority list, right? So before I apply for this job, maybe what I should do is I should go out and, you know, Google up this, 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 this company and take a look at the people. Um, you know, we're right now we're recording live to LinkedIn. Uh, you know, go and look at who the people are on LinkedIn. Uh, Google the people who are in leadership there and see what they're up to. And then there's this wonderful uh, website, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, Daniel. It's called Glassdoor. And you can go on Glassdoor and you can look up the company. They'll make you uh, do a um, you know, join the website, give your name, your address and all that kind of good stuff, your email address. Um, but you can go in there and you can look at what do the employees say. Now, you have to take everything you read on Glassdoor with a grain of salt, because I think sometimes the people who are disgruntled are going to go over there and leave a review. Right. Yeah. Now, I was just going to say, you need to do your due diligence. And I think, you know, you need to, you know, put that up on your list of priorities. So I want to be compensated. I want the title. You know, I want the right location. And I want to make sure I have good job fit. And that's a thing that uh, in the circles I run in, the human resource circles I run in, it's like we're trying to find somebody who's a good fit is how we talk. But that has to be on your side, too, as somebody who's looking for a position I'm looking for a good fit too. It's got to be like a win-win. So it's super interesting. Like I, I'm really fascinated with this topic lately, which is why I'm super excited of our conversation is because both there's things that a job seeker can do to, to identify if they're a good fit for the company, but there's also things that the company should do to identify if they're a good fit. Like um, I don't know if you've heard of this book. It's called uh, The Ideal Team Player. I'm reading it right now, right? And um. And it's, it's talking about how, like, in the beginning, I'm, like, 50 pages in, how team being a team player is one of the core values of this particular construction company in, that they're saying in the book. But the new CEO is identifying that there isn't anywhere in the interview process where they're actually checking if they're a team player. Like, you asking someone in the interview, like, hey, Nicole, are you a team player? Who's going to say no? Like, no. Of course I am. So I guess my question to you is one, and, and there's a two-part question we can kind of, one, what can a job seeker do to identify if they're a good cultural fit for the company? Because every company has a culture, whether it's a good one, a bad one, or an average one. And what might be a good cultural fit for me might be a, bit a terrible cultural fit for you, Nicole, right? So like, because we're all so different. So what can an employer do to identify if the company that they're interviewing with is a good cultural fit? And then second, well, what can a company do to test if those employees are a good cultural fit? Yeah. Okay. So if I was looking for a position and I wanted to have a good cultural fit, um, I think a lot of times this has to do with what my personal core values are and also has to do with kind of my personality. So a good cultural fit for Nicole Greer would be if there was a lot of communication, there was fun being had at work, right? If there was a sense of fun. Um, also, if there was friendliness and um, if, you know, the company was successful because I want to win. I want to be on a winning team. So those were those would be the things that I'm looking for. So if that's what Nicole Greer is looking for, the first thing I would do is I would go to the company's website 
and I would look around and see what it looks like. I would look at what it does on LinkedIn. I would check out maybe some of the people that are part of that company and see if there was kind of uh, a vibe uh, from the word vibrant. Vibrant means energy. Is the vibe they're giving off that it's fun, you can have a good time there, and that, at the, that the doors are open and it's very, very friendly, okay? So those are all the things I would do. Now, in terms of the interview, um, I might go ahead and interview for the position if I can't figure out if it's a good good culture or not, right? Now, and here's my thing about applying for positions is that you should pl- apply for a lot of positions that meet some of your standards uh, and then interview. Even if you think to yourself, I don't, I'm not sure I want this job, um, is you interview anyways because it's very good practice. I'm all about interviewing as much as you can. It makes you a better interviewer. It's just like you got to get your miles in if you want to run a marathon. Now, at the end of the interview, if I was the job seeker, I would ask the person who is interviewing me, why do you work at XYZ company? Can you tell me about the culture? Will you tell me a story about how the company has fun? Right. If that's one of my values, I want to work somewhere that's fun. I ask, you know, I ask about that or I say, you know, one of the things that's really important to me is family. Can you tell me how this the culture at this company integrates the concept or the core value of family? So let me let, let me play devil's advocate. Right. Because I, I love it and I agree. But hey, Nicole, that's easy for you to say. You have such a great resume. You have so much experience. I don't have a lot of work experience. I'm just kind of going into the workforce right now. Maybe I have three to four years of experience. Maybe I have zero. And I'm just extremely intimidated and feel like I have zero leverage. And if I feel like if I ask those questions in the interview, that's going to be negative upon me because you're like, this person's super needy. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I here. Okay. So here is the thing in, in my company, build a vibrant culture. We do several things. We do coaching, we do training, we do consulting and we do recruiting. So right now I am interviewing for two quality assurance people, something called an encapsulator operator. And in the past there's been social media people and the director of marketing, etc. So it doesn't matter what the job is. It could be the encapsulator operator in a manufacturing firm or the marketing director. Nicole Greer, as the recruiter, is absolutely blown away and delighted. Don't miss everybody. I light up. I get vibrant when a candidate, when I say at at the end of the interview, I say, what questions do you have for me? And if they have like two, three well thought out questions, I am like, this is a good one. This is the employee I want. Now, if they go, no, I don't have any questions. That's so bad. And they're so nervous. I'm like. Oh, aren't you curious? I need a curious person on my team. I, so I would 100% agree with you. I actually like think that, you know, you should be interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you because look, there's no, there's no such thing as a long-term relationship if it's not mutually beneficial, right? So like if, and so you need to have enough data, enough information to see if this is a company that you want to be there for at least two years. And if you have those questions that you've, like said, Nicole, you said you value fun, you value family, and you can't find that information online, or maybe you did find it online, but sometimes it's like, like, don't know if they actually lived those core values. And you're trying to see if it's really lived in all departments, in all areas, and all of the company, then it's really important that you're asking those questions too. And to me, actually, you're right. Like if I candidate I'm interviewing says, 
I don't have any questions because they want to act like they're prepared and they did their homework. It's like the opposite effect. You're not prepared because what you find online is a very small portion of what we don't put online and everybody has their own personal experiences. So I am with you and I actually think that the, the more confident you are about asking questions in the end, the better it actually looks and the more that you actually care and the more that you actually prepare. So absolutely agree with you. Can I tell you just a real quick example? Yeah. So one of the questions I ask in an interview, because, I, you know, one of the things I want in a vibrant employee is a lifelong learner. So first of all, you made my heart get warm when you're like, this is the book I'm reading. Because one of the questions I ask when I interview is, what book are you reading? And it can be anything. It could be sci-fi. It could be some trilogy. It could be a biography. It could be a business book. It doesn't really matter to me. I just love the fact that you're actually reading something. <laughs> and so uh, I asked this one young man, I said, what book are you reading? And so he was telling me about this book. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Hold on. Well, who's the author? And so like in the middle of the interview, we're exchanging information. And then I loved this. He said, what book are you reading? <laughs> And so I said, this stack right here. And so he wrote down the names of the books that I was reading. And I was like, I love this kid. I We're going to hire him. Imagine if a week later he goes, hey, Nicole, you recommended me. I read the Ideal Team Player. I read it. Here's my biggest takeaways. Thank you so much. What other book recommendation you have? Um, I, that, that opening that feedback loop and then closing it and like just showing that like you're someone that actually takes actions that you you're not just taking notes to take notes like even even cherry on top yeah oh yeah i mean i just thought this this kid is sharp that's the first thing i thought he's so sharp yeah on the flip side what can a company do to then identify if this is a good cultural fit or not or how do they make it easy for an employee to also have done their homework themselves yeah. Well, I think the, the number one thing, if you know, the first thing, whenever I'm coaching somebody about interviewing is I say, you need to put together your series of stories that tell your story. So, you know, as you think about preparing to go into a job interview, you need to figure out where have you been successful, but I don't want you to just say I was successful at company XYZ. I want you to put together a whole story and you're the hero of the story. And so, um, what I would do is if I was interviewing somebody, I would say, tell me about a time where you convinced the team to do it your way. Tell me about a time that you did what somebody else wanted, but you didn't want to do it that way. You know, so I might ask both those questions in the interview and see if they have a story for that. Cause we've all got that story, you know, like, you know, Daniel and I want to do the marketing thing this way. Um, but then the other two people on our team don't want to, but me and Daniel go, okay, okay, we'll do it your way. And then we gave a hundred percent. See, that's the answer I'm looking for is I don't have to have it my way. No matter what we decide, I give a hundred percent, you know? And, and so you have to have kind of some stories. Now, here's the thing about a story is oftentimes if you have a really good story, it'll answer a lot of behavioral interviewing questions. You just have to get very close to your stories. And I like for people to actually write them out. When I'm coaching them, I'm like, write it out, write the story out, and then I'll help them tweak it and ask them questions. No, love it, love it. So one of the things I was telling you um, that I had a, a team retreat recently, and one of the things that um, I had them do is set the standards. So I was like, you know, I set the vision. So one of the things I did in the, in the, in the retreat is like, I set the vision of the company and I said, oh, look, 
Opni was going to be one of the, the world's largest talent company and is going to open a world of opportunity for billions. And then I kind of walked them through how I how I envision us getting there with like four pillars of, of, of doing it. And one of them is elevating career coaching, right? But And what we then do is I, I separate them into the groups, people that are like different departments. So we had people in marketing with coaches uh, and we just mixed them up. And then we said, what do companies that fail have in common? And so they wrote it down. And then what do companies that succeed had in common? And then the last question was, what standards do employees that work at the world's top company, talent company need to have to be able to reach that goal? So then they created like, it was like a list of like 25 and what they created like a list of, um, a list of 25. And then I said, narrow that down to the top 10 and organize it. And so hold on, I'm going to actually get it. I'm going to read it to you. I would love to hear it. I actually framed them. So I took them out and I framed them so people can't see this, but, um, so we have the standards and then we have our core values. Um, and the reason why I'm sharing all this, because if somebody wants to work for our company, I want them to read our standards and our core values. And if you cannot align to those standards, if you do not think you can meet those standards, or if you cannot like read the core values and be like, I can live that, I can, I can live that, then I don't want you applying, I don't want you interviewing, I don't want you in the company, right? Like, it's that simple, self-filtering. So the first, uh, so there's 10 standards. The first one is every team member acts as an owner. And mine, Unicole, they wrote all of these. Like 99% of this, the wording, how everything is, is their wording. And I said, my job as the founder, CEO, essentially, is to hold them accountable to this. Like, I will hold you to the standard and hold myself to those standards. Like, you guys have to hold me too. Number two, every decision that we take is a win-win-win. Essentially meaning win for the client, win for our customers, win for the company. Every team member is a top 5% expert in their field. Number four, we only hire A-player employees. Number five, as a team, no one has 100% job security, especially the leadership team. Number five, number six, that was number five, we are brutally honest by criticizing the action, not the person. Number seven, we hold each other accountable to execute effectively. Number eight, every decision that we make is supported by data. Number nine, we don't make the same mistake twice. Number 10, we are constantly reevaluating our standards and processes. Feedback, thoughts. Well, I love it. And I want to start with number one. So number one was ownership. Um, and so there's this really classic word. Like if you go get your MBA, you take a business class. Um, they're going to talk about the fact that employees have a fiduciary responsibility. So this is a big fancy word, fiduciary, but basically it means make your decisions, your choices, um, and develop the way that you operate as if you were the owner of the company. And that that concept's been a long, around a very, 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 very long time. So, you know, first thing I think is like, you know, some things are, you know, forever. There there are some absolute truths in this life. You know, if if I operate my job as if, you know, I own that job and you do, I mean, like you got a title and like think of the word job title, Daniel. Like if I give you a title, 
that means you own it. Like if I give you the title to my car, ah, you see what I'm saying? So, so, you know, when people get a job title, it's like, I'm giving you this title, you own it, you have a fiduciary responsibility. So I think that's wonderful. Um, and then, you know, this whole thing where you're talking about accountability, I'd love to talk about accountability because everywhere I go, you know, when I'm hired, they're like, we need to work on accountability. <laughs> and so you've set some standards, um, which put that in place, but there is an actual formula for that. But the thing about accountability um, is the fact that if you had your employees, which you did, declare what their standards are, it's very easy to hold them accountable. Because let's say somebody makes a decision and you're like, that is a knucklehead decision. Why did you do that? We just, that was a waste of money, waste of time, waste of energy. You made the customer mad, whatever happened. Um, you pull them in your office and you say, you remember the day we were on retreat and we came up with this list of standards? And the first one said, make decisions as if you're the owner. And we all voted and you voted yay. What happened? And here's what you do when you're confronting somebody is you say, what's up? And then you shut up. So it's what's up, shut up. And then just see what this person says. And oftentimes that person is like, oh my God, I'm a knucklehead. I should have never done that. <laughs> you know, I lost my mind for a hot second or whatever. And then here's what you do. You just look at them and you go, all right, first of all, I just want to celebrate that you recognize what kind of decision that was. And then you say this, how can I help you in making that a better decision next time? And most people will say this, you, you won't have to help me. I'm clear. You know, it's almost, it's almost like you only have to hold people accountable one time. And then they're like, oh my gosh, Daniel's serious about accountability. So I'm not going to test that line with him. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, Nicole, as we wrap up the podcast and then we'll stay uh, for, for more on the LinkedIn side of it, you know, you, you do a lot of great things, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, what build a vibrant culture, the company, what do you guys do, the services and the people that are interested to learn more and maybe even work with you and your organization, where can they find you? Yeah, it's really simple. So uh, we do all the things that help you build a vibrant culture. So first of all, we can help you hire the right people and get that fit we've been talking about on the podcast. Um, the other thing that we do is we can train those people. So everything from learning about emotional intelligence to leadership development and everything in between change management, um, negotiating, whatever you, you can think of, we've got a course that can help your people improve their skills and competencies. And here's what I know. People... Companies that win have people with huge uh, skill sets and company set, competency sets. Um, and then we also do consulting. Maybe you might want to do strategic planning or something like that. So we help you do all that. And the easy way to find me is at www.vibrantculture.com. And if you're, um, if you're listening to this, uh, if you are know someone that's like really obsessed with finding a company with a good culture, share this episode. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, uh, give us, you know, get, you know, we, that's how we get people to know about the podcast so Nicole thank you so much for listening everyone here who are listening thank you so much and catch you guys on the next episode